this is the, the last uh, night of a three-part series called The Law. So I'll do a few refreshers for us just to get us acclimated again with the law. Now the Bible's description of law is varied. There are many moving parts about law. There's, there's different types of law. Some were instituted in a temporary basis, while others were more permanent. And then finally, there were parts of the law that held grave consequences. Before you get too deep into uh, this particular subject, just know that when you open up your Bible and you read, there are depths of understanding you can read one scripture many times over. I don't know how many times I've done it. You read a scripture and then, and you know you're familiar with it, but you come back to it maybe the next year and you see something that you did not see before. And this is the depth of understanding. Now, I, I would say that there are times when we think we understand and we assume we understand what the Lord is saying but the next time around, we find something else. And so it kind of, it doesn't make me uneasy. It just, it helps me to know that whatever I think that I know about the scripture and about the Lord, there's always more to find out. And there's always more revelation about him. And these depths take some inquiry. It takes some uh, thought process. You know, you have to engage your mind. In, in water, if, if you could imagine a swimming pool, well, as long as there's no algae in it, you can pretty well see to the bottom of that swimming pool. When you get in the ocean, maybe in the Keys or somewhere in a very clear uh, water, you can see a long way off. The clarity is very high. But the deeper that you go, the, the less light that you find. So the deeper you go in the ocean, the less light you'll, 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 you'll have. And visibility diminishes. But there's something else that happens. These are called thermoclines. Thermoclines are drops in temperature. So, so it, it's not always at 30 feet, but sometimes 25, 40 feet, there's a thermocline, depending on the body of water. That means you could, you could be swimming along underneath that water, and if you're, if you're diving and maybe you hit a thermocline, it will drop 15 degrees. So not only is there a temperature or a, a change, there's a pressure change, and there's lower visibility. So if you're going to witness anything, the deeper, you have to really pay attention, and you have to look hard. And that is very indicative of the scripture. Even Jesus spoke in parables. He said that seeing they may see and not understand. Hear, hearing they may hear and they're not going to comprehend. Well, why would he do that? Why would Jesus speak in parables? I know this is difficult for the modern age, the, the modern Christian to, to accept. Jesus made it difficult. He didn't make every statement easy for us to comprehend. Because the idea was, he wanted you to dig to yearn after him. David said, early will I seek thee, that I may find thee. Now there's reasons for early that David described. 
Now, now I, I don't know all of his reasons, but early meant that it was a, it was a high priority. And, and secondly, because nothing else was in the way. The, the, the day was going to escape him. But he was searching and he was seeking the Lord. So if you're going to find the Lord in the depth of understanding, um, you'll have to pay attention. There'll be understanding and enlightenment. And many people walk through this Christian life uh, in a very shallow sense when the Lord is trying to teach us some deeper things. I want to know all about the Lord. And I never want to assume that I've understood everything that I'm reading. Because the Lord always has something more for me. Amen. So when I talk about the law, the law is um, it's, it's a, a large, uh, expansive subject in the Bible. And it, it it's, has weaved its way from the inception of mankind. Um, the law, limitations, boundaries. The law with its limitations and its boundaries... Um, began in the Garden of Eden. There was a limitation and a boundary. I want to just review these laws that, that I've presented, and then we'll get to the last one that I have not yet spoke about. So this is part of a review. We'll do them in order uh, as best I can. We begin with the royal law. James chapter 2, verse 8 if ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. Now, James is going to describe it. He's reaching back to Matthew 22. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. So what was the royal law? It's, it's, it's the paramount law. Jesus is going to reply when they ask him, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, Matthew twenty two thirty eight. This is the first and great commandment. Verse thirty nine. The second is like unto it: Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That's the royal law, because James was 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 uh, referencing that. And verse forty says: On these two commandments hang all the law of the prophets. So, so they're paramount. But if you looked at them, maybe on a piece of paper, or you 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 put them on some kind of uh, some, some kind of a symbol, they would actually be, be the foundation. And if they're not there, nothing else stands. So everything rests on these two things. That you love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and you love your neighbor as yourself. That is the royal law. Now, we would never have to do anything else. There would never need to be... There would never... Have a need, we never have a need to do anything else or go any further if we would perfect those two things, if that royal law was in play. Think of that. We have rules. We have boundaries. We have all kinds of things that we implement for ourselves and for families and churches and, and peoples and communities because we violate those laws. For the most part, really, we struggle with loving the Lord, our God, with all of our heart, mind, soul, body, strength. We struggle with that. Because if you really love the Lord with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your, 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 your strength, you would rearrange your life. And that is the key that you strive to love the Lord with everything inside of you. Because to love Him 
is to trust him, is to obey him, is to adhere to him. To love him means that you don't love yourself. <laughs> and that's hard. Not to love yourself more than you love God. But you love God. And you're, you're called according to his purpose. And if you love God and you're called according to his purpose, then all things work together for your good. This is the Bible, Romans 8, 28. And if you love one another then you treat one another differently. But because we violate that, we have to have rules set in place so that we are, uh, so that we're held accountable because of the way we respond. And in response to one another and to God always encompasses actions and words and deeds and attitudes and feelings, always. And this really invades the religious community. This is an invasion in the religious community. And and the reason why is because it's so easy to say that we love the Lord, but put to the test, uh, it's a little different. It's easy to say we love God, but Jesus said, how can you say you love God whom you have not seen and hate your brother who you have seen? So this is the problem. He, this is what the Lord does. He always pulls back the curtains of my heart and exposes the place that I'm weak at. He, he did that with all of the people that were around him. He didn't tiptoe around people. He didn't pacify people. Um, he wasn't somebody that, that we really uh, would, would think that was trying to accommodate someone else. He wasn't into that. So I, when I talk about Jesus, if you really read what Jesus said, he's very emphatic. In fact, and sometimes he's sharp. He's cutting. And you... you you have to really kind of wrap your mind around what he's saying. Most people ignore what he says. In fact, Christians ignore what Jesus said. They just take little bits and pieces. For instance, he said, it's better for you to go into heaven lame, blind, halt, crippled than to go into hell whole. Ugh. Nobody likes that one. We're, not, we're never going to read that scripture. It's not, it's not on your refrigerator. How you feeling today? I'm feeling like I need my eye plucked out. Nobody's saying that. Nobody's walking around saying, just cut my hand off. Uh, now, I don't think that that was necessarily literal that he wanted you to do that, but I think that he was telling you the severity of life. It was, you, you, you have to walk soberly. So Jesus wasn't walking around trying to win friends and influence people. <laughs> he didn't go to any of those seminars. He wasn't a motivational speaker. He was invasive. He, he, he disrupted their lives. He, 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 he's a gracious God. He sits down with sinners, publicans, and prostitutes. He has dinner with people that are unsavory. In fact, pick out the worst drug dealers in town. That's the people that he, that he associated with. He wasn't, he wasn't cut after the cloth of the Pharisees. In fact, he called them out and said, you brood of vipers, who warned you of the coming judgment? This is Jesus who we're talking about, you know. It's not the Jesus of the modern age. It's not, it's not the Jesus of the, of the, of the supposed postmodern world. This is the Jesus of the scripture, the real Jesus. The real Jesus loves you in spite of yourself. Now, the real Jesus loves people no matter where they are or what they look like or what they've done. The real Jesus. 
And, and yet he also challenges the church and he challenges people. And he says, I'm glad you fulfilled all the commandments, but I got another one. Take up your cross, follow me, sell everything you've got. Ooh, that's, that's tough. Because then when you ask him what he wants you to do, he gets real personal. That's right. So when you say you love the Lord, I love the Lord. Just measure your words real carefully. Measure your words. If you love your, your neighbor as yourself, ooh, that's a tough, that's a tough call. In fact, some people can say that they love the Lord, but they struggle with their neighbor. And, I'm, and, not, and when we say neighbor, we're not always talking about the person who lives next door. It could be someone in your own house. Most of the time, it's, we love our neighbors and just don't like our family. <laughs> I better not go down that, that road. But you all know what I'm talking about. Christmas is coming. <laughs> Amen. That's why we have to have a prayer and fasting on January just to get, just to get our spirits right after all the holidays. Number two... After the royal law comes this, this thing that we know as the Mosaic law. There's, there's three parts of the Mosaic law. I'm, I'm, I won't, I won't um, delve too far into them. It's the commandments, the Ten Commandments, um, which, which we know them well. The, the, but there's ordinances also. And, um, and then there's a worship system. If you looked into the Mosaic law, you'd find these three parts. The Ten Commandments. And then there's ordinances that Moses gave. And then there's a worship system. Now, worship is not always what we would think worship would be. Worship for us is singing and it's, it's, it's shouting and clapping. Worship uh, in, in that particular uh, era would have been sacrif- would include music and, and dancing and singing. But it also include sacrifices and, and lambs and goats and oxen. And the way that, a, that worship was conducted was, was through sacrifice. In fact, when Abraham turned to his son Isaac and said, we're going to go to Mount Moriah. And we got fire, we got wood, we got a, we got a knife. Uh, we're going to go up, and Abraham said, we're going to go up to worship. So in that day, in Abraham's day, worship actually meant sacrifice. And that's not the same definition we use today, but we, we ought to recognize it, that there is, a, there is a system of worship. Number three was, was this l- larger, expansive thing called the Old Testament law. Now, Yes, the Mosaic Law was in that, but but it's 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 very large, and and I, I I'll I'll share with you a couple of things in it because the Old Testament Law or the Beginning Law actually predated Moses, and we talked a little bit about this in the in the last few weeks. But the Old Testament Law encompassed moral law, civil law, and ceremonial law. And the Old Testament law and that moral law, it did control individual living or lives. It was God's intent for the people. And really from his moral law is where we get the concept of morality or what's moral. And what's moral, it always supersedes everything else. Civil law was was that national law. It it governed the life. So one controlled and one governed. And the reason why they had to have civil law is because... Moral law had decayed. This is true of every organization of every country. Now, you know this. We are an infant nation. What are we, 242 years old? Is that what we are? 242, 241. We're an infant baby nation. We, if you ever read the, uh, the 5,000 year leap, it's a large book. It, it talks about, 
um, uh, it, it, it talks about what what leaped us forward. Our founding fathers uh, pushed us forward in time. So we actually started out not as um, some of those fledgling nations, but we started out with, with concepts, a constitution. There was a fabric and a fiber to what we were doing. It was based upon many other experiences that, that Europe had gone through. But we are really still a baby nation. And But as all nations go, uh, the world is in a, is in a constant state of decline, so while evolution would support this idea of getting better, uh, we know that, that, that both nature and humanity uh, is not getting better. It's devolving, not evolving. And so civil law had to come into place because of the immorality of the people. And so civil law governed the nation and it brought order to people. It was, a, it was an orderly concept. And then finally, ceremonial law. The ceremonial law ordered religious life. It was a strict adherence to the holy entry. Now, now the ceremonial law is gonna, gonna go away. Uh, when Jesus died and the veil was rent and the holy of holies was opened up and, and, and the apostle wrote, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. We no longer needed a priest to intercede for us that Jesus was, was the mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Now we bring our needs before the Lord Jesus Christ. So ceremonial law was for a time. So as I taught in the earlier portion of this, some laws had an expiration date. And now they, they do not, they're, they're, they're not applicable. But once again, we have a ceremonial law because we had to keep the moral construct of, of the priesthood and, and of, of the temple and of the tabernacle. And in fact, the priest that, that worked in the, in the, the temple had a lot of ritual baths. Number four, I briefly talked about the law of creation. These are boundaries of nature. They are recognized as the laws of nature, laws of creation, the laws of nature. And the laws of nature are, 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 are founded. Um, Isaac Newton wrote multiple laws, the laws of inertia, the laws of gravity, and, and, and you you will, whatever goes up, it will come back down. You, you, you will, uh, there's a law of age. Uh, it, you, there, there, whatever you're, you're reading, a, a, a diet, a pill, a cream, um, there are no age-defying mechanisms. There really are no age-defying mechanisms. Um, it's brief at best. It, it doesn't, it, it really doesn't change your age. You can tighten your skin maybe, but uh, uh, it's still, um, uh, I'm going down a dark road here. I, you could walk around surprised like Kenny Rogers all day long, but you're, you, you can't go back in time. Um, the, the, I, I always say it, but I don't care how much oil of Olay you put on, rub on your body, you, you're not going back in time. It's not going back. It's, I'm sorry. I, I apologize. It's the law of nature. There's nature has laws. Um, the predator and the prey. This is the law of nature. Uh, the water, cascading waters. There's a law there. And the galaxies have laws. And and the oceans and the air. There's laws here. So these are baked in. They they're without rebuttal. And this is what God 
wrote. Now, before I get too far to my last one, I, I just I want to point out a few things regard, regarding some of these laws. Second uh, Peter 2, I'll read a little bit. Uh, verse 4, God did not spare the angels that sinned. There was a third of them that sinned and rose up with Lucifer. Verse 5, spared not the old world, but saved Noah. That means the earth was flooded, the eighth person, preacher of righteousness. He didn't spare the cities of Gomorrah. Sodom burned them. Uh, that, that was an example to those who would live ungodly. This is, he delivered just Lot. Peter called him a righteous man. He was vexed. Verse 9, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh and the lust of uncleanness despise government. Presumptuous are they. Self-willed, they're not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Verse 11, whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not accusations against them before the Lord. Uh, Verse 7, the word wicked, meaning lawless men. Uh, Lawless or unlawful deeds in verse 8, unlawful deeds. Um... The Bible says, For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. This predated Moses. Uh, Abraham and Lot predated Moses. Um, So there's multiple uh, examples. Uh, For for instance, in Genesis 13 and 13, the Bible talks about the men of Sodom. They were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. They defied the laws and a couple of the laws that they were defying was one of those were adultery. This was before the Ten Commandments was written. In Genesis 3, 6 through 17, God punished Adam and Eve for their coveting and stealing and, and breaking a law. They dishonored God. So, so this just shows you that some of these things were in existence long before Moses held the tablets of stone in his hand. The world has always had boundaries and limitations and laws. And we've always been, we've always had a boundary and limitation. There are things that we consider decent or decency. And when you break the laws of decency, uh, uh, you destroy the, the construct or uh, the constitution of society. And we're watching this happen. David said that, he said to the Lord, you knew me in my mother's womb. My parts were fitly framed. The law of decency. Um, there's there's a, the great debate uh, over the the landmark ruling of Roe versus Wade, nineteen seventy two. It's 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 raging today. This is a raging debate. But this is God's creation, and and our laws are contrary to the philosophies of our day. For instance. If you have an accident and you your car hits a, a someone, uh, a woman who is with a child pregnant, um, you can be sued or liable for her life and for the unborn baby. Think of that. Now, we're not going to recognize that it's a baby. We're calling a fetus unless you have an accident and she loses the baby. And in fact, even in terminology, no one ever says, I lost some cells. I lost a glob of cells. No, no, no woman is walking around and, 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 and one day she's pregnant and the other day there's something happened and she didn't she say, you know, I just, I lost a tumor. She says, I lost a baby. 
I had a miscarriage. So the laws are reflecting something that we used to believe. The modern language is not reflecting that. You see. So where do we get those laws? We, 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 we got them from the scripture. In the scripture. And the scripture says for children to honor their father and the mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Which is interesting to me. Because if it's the first command with promise, that means there may be some others, but that's the first one. It doesn't tell me that my, my honor is based upon their life or their reaction. It's a very difficult thing now. But these are the scriptures. And I didn't write them, and neither did you. But I have to follow them because they're right. Now, either the Bible is right or it's wrong. It's either right or it's wrong. It's either wholly right, completely right, or it's, or it's all the way wrong. Abraham and Sarah walked into a, 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 a nation, and the king's name was Abimelech, and, and they were sort of related. In fact, in fact, it was not unusual, but this was, this was his sister, but his wife, too. It was a, the, the family tree back in those days reflected Kentucky. Oh, that's terrible. Why did I say that? I'm sorry. That's a terrible thing that I said. I, it, it slipped out. It didn't fork. Uh, the, 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 forgive me, Lord, and Tammy, forgive me. And, and, and so he, they walk into this place and the king, he, he looks at Sarah and she's a beautiful woman and, and the king desires her and Abraham says to his wife, uh, he starts singing uh, Dr. Hook's song, when you're in love with a beautiful woman, it's hard. Every, everybody wants her. Can, you want to sing that now? What, should we sing, sing that now? And... Um, he says to his wife, tell them you're my sister. Which is, which is true, but it's a half truth. So watch this. If the Bible has parts where it's not true, then it's all a lie. Because half a truth is a whole lie. Let me do that again. Half a truth is an entire lie. So he was lying because it was Deception. So we have to look at the scripture and we have to recognize that the scripture makes demands on us how to live, decency, how to, how to love, how to forgive. It doesn't say, you know, if you've got a really bad person in your life, you don't have to forgive them. No, the Bible says you forgive them because your heavenly father forgave you. It's not talking about what they did and what the severity of, their, of, of, the, of the action against you. It's just forgive them because you've been forgiven. And so these are, these are things that we can't negotiate around. You can't negotiate the scripture. Now, I don't want to, I'm not, I, I, I've got to be real careful here. I'm not trying to qualify everything I'm saying here. But, but, I, but as soon as I get down this road, I can just kind of feel I, the human spirit rise up against what I'm saying. Because these are, un, when, you, when you go to the scripture, it invades our thinking. It bothers our philosophies. In fact, our Americanism is rarely in conjunction with the scripture. It's, it's not always congruent. 
Because we are a republic, and we think we all have a voice, but the Bible does not need your validation, does not need your vote. God's not asking our opinion. Let me do that again. You're the creature, he's the creator. You're the servant, he's the Lord. You're the children, he's the father. And the father's not asking for us to vote on him or his word. Oh my. It's a, it's a difficult thing for us because it kind of invades our thought because we have freedom of speech and, and freedom of thought. But when it comes to the scripture, you obey the scripture. You, you, you honor the scripture. You look at the Bible and you say, I've got to diminish. I've got to make sure that I'm in line with God. And then there's a blessing out of that. Mm-hmm. This is my father. My, my father taught us this. My brother argued with my dad. My, me, Scott, and Dana, and, and, and mom, and dad. And Scott said, why, dad, do you always get to make all the choices? We're, we're tired of you making all the choices, and we want to vote. This is America. This is America, Scott said. It's America. I thought this was great argument. I said, yes, this is America. As if Scott needed my affirmation. I, I second the motion. It's America. Dad said, fine. I'm going to give each of you kids one vote apiece. Your mom's going to get four, and I'm going to get eight. We always lost all the votes. Here's number five, and I want to spend my time here tonight, number five. It's the law of harvest. This is the law of harvest. Oh, man. Um, Some things are after a kind. So when I talk about a kind, you know, um, uh, amphibians would be, all of that would be in a kind. A mammal would be in a kind. They're not, those, those two are not connected. A, um, um, metal, um, uh, copper, zinc, um, um, they wouldn't, they, they're not in kind uh, of, a, of, a, of a plant life. These are different kinds. So many of the laws are after a particular kind. The law of harvest is not. It's a, it's a different kind, the law of harvest. The, the Bible says it like this, and I, I, I didn't give you the scripture, but the Bible says that whatever you sow, you will also reap. And, and it starts out with this words, these words, God is not mocked. You're, it, it basically means you're never going to change this. This is like baked in. So I'm going to give you a few things here in the law of harvest. Here's a few attributes of the law of harvest. Number one, it's a constant. The law of harvest is a constant. It's, it's there. It's always there. The law of harvest is a constant. It's a constant. It's a constant. Number two, the law of harvest is without respect to the sower. Who plants? It's not, it doesn't matter who plants. This can work in your favor, ladies and gentlemen. It can work against you. It can work in your favor. I've known many people who had, they realized that they needed to, to give in their tithing and they weren't faithful to church, but they never stopped giving the tithing and the Lord always blessed them financially because it's a law. <laughs> All right. I've watched it work the other way. People touted their own their own sincerity, planted the wrong thing. They thought, well, I'm a good person. It doesn't matter what I do. (laughs) Number three, it's without consideration of the seed, what is planted. You don't don't plant an an apple seed and, 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 and expect a peach. 
There's, this is the law of harvest. There is a law here. Everybody ought to really focus now on the law of harvest. This is the law of harvest. It will come up. The law is going to bring forth a fruit in your life. It will. You may not know it right now. Some fruit takes a long time to develop, but when it develops, it's either incredibly in your favor or it's, it's, it's a horrible thing against you. If you go home, whatever, tonight, Sunday afternoon, whatever, Friday night, and on your, on your table, you, you sow a seed of faith and love and forgiveness among your family, you may not see that seed come to fruit right away. Uh, 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 you, you may be struggling yourself, but you're teaching the right thing. You're planting the right thing. Now, some people don't plant the right seed because they've got a lot of issues in their past, so they don't feel like they're qualified. Plant the right seed no matter where you've come from. Ladies and gentlemen, plant the right seed no matter what your past was. Plant the right seed now. Because the seed is without respect to the sower. It, if it's a good seed, plant the good seed. But if you plant the wrong seed, gossip and anger, and, and, and you're always planting the seed of doubt, skepticism, you know, well, nobody loves you, and you know, I wish people, I, I, I wish, you know, uh, 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 this world is terrible, or, or your school, I don't know what's wrong with your teachers. When you plant that seed of disrespect, it will grow up. There will be a fruit in time. So this law of harvest is never, you can never outthink it. You're never going to outthink it. Now, what I'd like you to do tomorrow is to go to your bank. I don't know where you, where do you bank? First National and I bank at an improper fraction. I can go to Fifth Third and I want tomorrow, go to Fifth Third, if that's your bank, and ask them that you want to withdraw $100,000. I want you to go there and say, I'd like to have $100,000. And when they click around and say, well, okay, now, can I, can I have your information again? And yes, here's my information. And they say, well, I'm, I'm not sure we can do that. You get mad at them. Get mad. Say, I want $100,000. I'm here to withdraw $100,000. Look up my information again. And they're, they're clicking around. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We, we. And then when they say, we, you cannot withdraw $100,000, then you get angry with them and you tell them, I want $100,000. I'm here to withdraw it. You're a bank. You've got it. Give it to me. When they don't do it, you get mad. Storm out. Get angry. Storm out. And say to your bank, I'm never coming back again. And that's what people do when they come to church. They're angry with God. They want something. They need something. He's got it, but they're not getting it. Why? Because you never invested in it. You cannot withdraw something you've never deposited. And until we learn how to deposit and plant the right seeds, we're never going to get out of it what we put, what we, what we didn't put. We're not, it's not going to happen. You want the apple, but you keep, you keep getting the prune. I don't know, prunes are good. Why do people pick on prunes? You want the grape, but you keep getting a banana. You keep, you, you keep getting an orange. You, you're, you're putting in the wrong thing expecting something back different. 
You're, and so when you do that, you have not understood the law of harvest. If you want to be blessed financially, give. Well, that, that seems counterintuitive, Pastor. Well, this is what Jesus said. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Men will give unto you, to your bosom, to, your, to yourself, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You won't be able to consume it. Give to God, and other people give to you. It's the concept of the open hand. Open hands give, and they receive. Closed hands give nothing, they receive nothing. And then people get angry. Instead of opening up their hands and worshiping God, they're mad. Why is my life in disarray? Because you didn't plant anything. If you plant a seed, it's got to come back. That's the law of harvest. God instituted a law of harvest. It's greater than the law of inertia. It's greater than the law of gravity. The law of harvest will never, ever go away. In fact, if you can, if you can negotiate the law of gravity, praise God. I doubt you can. No one ever has, really. But you'll never be able to negotiate the law of harvest. I'll give you three words that are just, they're indicative of this. They're indifferent, because the law of harvest is indifferent. It's inflexible, and it's irrespective. It's not angry, and it's not pleasant. It's not gracious. It's not forgiving. It's just the law. That's it. It's the law. Think of forgiveness for a moment. When you forgive you'll be forgiven. When you withhold forgiveness, you don't plant that seed, you will not be forgiven. Now watch what happens in the next step of forgiveness because when true forgiveness takes place, other things happen too. It's called restitution. We've, mis- we've, we've misplaced forgiveness. We think forgiveness is saying, I'm sorry. Sorry, now it's on you. <laughs> I really did something bad. I said something bad on you, about you. Please forgive me. And if you don't, you're going to have to live with it. Wait, hold on a second. Here's Luke 19. Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Jesus said, this day is salvation come to this house for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. Wow. Forgiveness and restitution. So, you went brain dead and you typed something on your Facebook page or Instagram that you ought not have typed. And you hurt someone's feelings and you said something you shouldn't say then you should openly ask for forgiveness about what you shouldn't say. Now, now the better way is get off Facebook and Instagram, but, but you know, I can't convince all of you. Uh, you all also should, should stop following people that you know, uh, um, uh, uh, stop trolling people. Uh, is, is that the word? Uh, people are, you're burning up hours. I'm wondering if people, can you even have a prayer life on, uh, and, and Instagram at the same time? Can you have that? Does anyone ever have a strong walk with God and a strong Facebook appearance? I'm not sure. I, I really doubt it. Talked to a couple pastors here in this last year, in, in this given year, and every one of them said to me, they said, we've had so many horrible situations with adultery, with, with, with people having tough times in their marriages and finding old girlfriends and boyfriends on Facebook. 
Probably, the, probably ten times worse than a, than a television show could ever be. It just it, 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 if, if there's any cracks in your life, the internet will just open it up. It'll expose everything. I, I couldn't even. I can't read everyone's postings. Years ago, I, 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 looked at, I looked at a Facebook page, and I didn't even read it, but someone had put something really bad on it. What bothered me is that the saints were putting the thumbs up mark, thumbs up, like, like button, heart, like thumbs. That bothers me. So I can't, I can't read that. Otherwise, all I'd be doing is every Sunday preaching against Facebook. <laughs> Messes with my spirit. But we, we have a problem with forgiveness. We're not planting the right seeds. When we, you, this is, there are seeds of forgiveness. There are seeds of mercy. Mercy, watch this. You should write it down. The gift is the same as the reward. Mercy, the gift is the same as the reward. That means in whatever portion you give out mercy, you'll get that back. And trust me, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to need a lot of mercy. That's right. You're going to need a lot of mercy. Especially if you have children. So if, if you have children, you should be giving out as much mercy as you can to everybody. Especially other parents with children. Because you don't want to plant a bad seed and your children grow up to be the devils that you were accusing someone else of, of having. Of course, that happens quite frequently. Oh, not my children, Pastor. You don't understand. They're angels. Yes. Fallen. But <laughs> yes. The law of harvest is often ignored because, and I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not exhausting this list, but I'm just giving you A, B, and C. There, there's probably many other aspects to this, but we don't have all night, and I just picked the things that I'm familiar with. The law of harvest is often ignored. A, because a proclamation of intent is made. A proclamation of intent, its intentions. We're calling this feelings. Because we ignore what we're doing because we have a warm feeling about something. And so people ride on their emotions and negate or neglect their actions. It doesn't really matter how you feel about something or someone it really matters about what you say and you do. Okay. Letter B, a declaration of Christianity is offered. That means you rely upon identity. Well, I'm a Christian. Well, if you're a Christian, that means you have to be more constrained. If you really love God, that doesn't give you more freedom. It gives you less freedom. Now, 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 we believe in the, in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We believe in that. We believe that, that Jesus said you must be born of the water and the Spirit. We believe in that. Everybody with me? It's John chapter 3. We believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. In, in the Old Testament, there was a law. It was written in stone. It was written on tablets. It was transferred to, to parchment. It, it, was, it, was, it was put into, as it were, concrete. Not necessarily, but it was, that's how it was put. And, and the Bible says that the prophet, he wanted to have a day. This was 
in really the day of Pentecost because Pentecost was 50 days after Passover. So, so 50 days later after the, they left Egypt uh, was Sinai, Mount, Mount Sinai, where the law was given. And so God said to the prophet, I'm going to take out your stony heart, our heart of stone, and I'm going to put a heart of flesh in you. And I'm going to write my law on the tablets of your heart. So he wanted, his whole design was to remove what was set in stone and so that you would, you would yearn and desire to be like him. But what we did was we moved back to the tablets of stone and said, I'm a Christian or I'm a Pentecostal or I'm whatever you call yourself. As if that removes you from the responsibility of having a heart of flesh. It does not. And if you don't have his law written on your heart, you'll face things in a modern age that the Bible does not address and no one has ever written down. Yes. The virtual world that is upon us now. There's a virtual world here. And some of you are not familiar with it, but all of our children will be familiar with it. In fact, today they're going to be called screen-agers because they'll never know a time when they don't have a screen in front of their face. The virtual world. There'll be virtual intimacy and virtual sex. Not real sex, but virtual sex. Virtual relationships. Virtual conversations. And if you don't have the law of the Lord in your heart, you'll say, well, you know, my pastor, my teachers, my mom and dad, no one ever said that was wrong. No one ever said that was wrong. See, if you don't have the law of the Lord written on your heart, then you'll only be living by the letter what's written down. Because there's going to be some kind of substance. It's already happening today. Where we used to say, now listen, you know, we, 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 the Bible says don't be a, a wine-bibber and, and strong drink is folly and, and the church teaches us we, we, don't, we don't want to be engaged in social drinking. That doesn't mean that people uh, don't have issues. We understand that. But, but, but if, you don't, if you don't have the, the law of the Lord written in your heart, something else will come in and we haven't addressed it. But it shouldn't be, in, oh man, it shouldn't be incumbent upon the pulpit to address all the issues that are in the world when you have the Spirit. Can the Spirit not lead you? Are you still calling up the church and saying, hey, uh, office, can you ask the pastor if it's okay if I go see that movie? I don't, I'm not taking that call. I, I ain't taking that call. Can you, you know, this new product is out. Can we use that product? Wait a second. You got to get back to the heart with God. I love the Lord with all my heart. He'll speak to you about what you should and should not do. In fact, there are some laws that are only applicable to you. because, And they're called conviction, personal conviction. Where did personal conviction go? Do we have any personal conviction left? How about personal conviction? How about God convicts you of something that is specifically for you because he knows that's your downfall, that's your pit, that's your danger, that's the abyss that you're going to fall into. And everyone else might be saying, well, that's, that's okay for me and whatever. But what about you? What about me? What about personal conviction? You see, if you have a law written in stone, it negates personal conviction. And I submit to you, you should go ask God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? How do you want me to order my life? And you should write down your personal convictions based upon what you know 
can be destructive to your life. Some of those convictions are not what you see. Some of those convictions are just how you think. I know people that can, they can talk themselves into depression. You should have a conviction that you'll get up every day and rejoice in the Lord. And when you have trouble, you say, thank you, Jesus. Because you're prone to be negative. Your natural inclination is to say, everything's bad, everything's horrible. It's not horrible. You should have a conviction. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. If that's your, if that's your issue... That's right. So the problem is that, that, that when, we, when we remove that law, then all we have is identity. And we say, well, you know, I go to church. You go to church. Yes, I go to church. I'm glad you go to church. Or what do you learn there? <laughs> well, I go to church. I, I give my tithes. Well, yeah, that, that's required of you. That's minimal. That's like saying you get up and brush your teeth. Big deal. That's good. (laughs) You ought to do that. Don't be a dummy. (laughs) Comb your hair. That's like saying, yeah, yeah, I drive my car. I put gas in it. Hey, I put gas in my car. You're doing good now. (laughs) I'm glad. I got up. I went to church. I clapped. Hey, that's, that's, that's where we begin. Praise God. I'm glad you do it. But we've got to go farther than that and say, you can't just say, I'm a Christian. You've got to say, I love God. I'm sold out. I'm not going to ignore this law. And finally, it's unknowing or ignorant. I'm not trying to be um, uh, crass here, but, but some are just uh, ignorant of it. They're untaught. They're, or, or, uh, worse than that, some are unteachable. Those are two different things. But uh, you just don't know. Maybe you don't know. I would just say, every time that you can, even sit in this room here tonight, guess what you just did? You just planted a seed, and that seed is going to bear fruit in your life. It's wonderful. You have no idea. I've been in church all my life. I've heard thousands and thousands of sermons. I've heard myself preach many sermons. Some of them I didn't even like. But I, I got through them anyway. But I knew... That when I was listening to someone preach the word, maybe I, I, I didn't catch all of it, but there was just one line that helped me out. One, one thing, one word. Or it was just maybe in the atmosphere. It's, it's the transformation of my life. It's, it's taken, you know, the, you, can, you can saturate something. The cucumber, be, you know, uh, it becomes the pickle. The, 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 the fibers of the steak are, are, are softened because it's in some kind of solution. And that's what happens when you come to the house of the Lord and you, and you learn. But, but if you're not, if you're, if you, you're ignorant of it, it means you don't know it. Some people are just unaware. There's a law. The, the, the law is even the, even, even the law of averages that if you drive 100 miles an hour back and forth from work, the law of averages that you will eventually, it will catch up to you. It will catch up to you. And that is applied to every part of your life. It's the law. If you're ugly to everyone, the law of averages means that you will eventually lose all of your friends. (laughs) If you're kind to everybody, eventually you'll gain friends. If you give and serve to people, they'll love you. They'll they'll want you by them. These These are things that will never go away. The law, if you study to show yourself approved to God, but if you study in class, if you study the word, if you study... The law, there, there, there's, a, there's something, there's a seed there and it's going to grow up to do something well in your life. You'll gain in your life. 
you'll, you'll, you'll gain. But if you don't know, if you don't know, or you're untaught, or you're ignorant of something, you might bypass the law of harvest. In finances, it's, it's pretty simple in finances, there's a particular law that if you spend more than you make, you, you, you will have less money than you started with. And your car will be repossessed. And you will go bankrupt and you will have nothing. It's the law. It doesn't matter how you feel. But some people are not taught. And that same lesson is everywhere. If you pray, seek God, and you're consistent, there is something that's going to grow up. And it's, it's going to blossom. And it's, it's going to be beautiful. But some people, they, they don't know it because they, they haven't learned. And this is the tragedy of, of God's people. Here's what Hosea wrote. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We just didn't study the word. My people are destroyed. And because you've rejected me, I'll, I'll make it so that you are no priest to me. That's why every Bible study is critical. That's why every church time is critical. That's why we listen and we learn and we read and we study and we pray. This law of harvest is powerful. Uh, th- there's a lesson in priorities. It, 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 it's difficult sometimes for me to, com- to comprehend uh, and sometimes difficult for me to explain uh, the, the priorities. One of the tragedies of priorities is that people figure out the high priority, but then they start to disregard other things on the list. You might have a list of five, ten, whatever it is. And the first thing you're going to do is you're going to do the thing you need to do, but you can't disregard the rest of it. And, and, and when you fail to, to do the rest of it, you ultimately dilute everything. Here's Matthew 23. Jesus said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint, anise, cumin. These are spices. You give a tenth of your spices, but you've neglected the more important things, the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, faith. Now, now look at that scripture. Don't, don't leave that. Here's a list of priorities here. Jesus did not say you should, you should withhold tithing. He didn't say throw it out. He said, don't forsake the weightier matters. So some things are not as severe as judgment, mercy, and faith. They're not as critical, maybe I should say. But that does not negate there are other things that we ought to be doing in our lives. And so you plant even the minimal seed that you don't think is, is really that important. You plant the minimal seed. It's, it's speaking. It's honor. It's respect. It's, it's kindness. It's a few things that maybe it's easy to do. But you always do that because you're planting the minimal seed. I, I would say to all of my young adults and, 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 and folks here that, that, are, that are still learning and, and maybe your college and career age, let me just say this to you. These are the moments where you should plant all the seeds that you want to blossom in your life. You plant as many as you can because they will come to fruition. There will be, there will, there will be gardens of, of fruit. There will be wonderful blessings in time. You, 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 are, you are dealing with a law that, that, that is, cannot, cannot be undone. It won't be undone. That law of harvest will not be undone. People will, people will 
be forgiven of their sins because they're asking God for forgiveness, but they still acted in a violent way and the law judged them to prison and they will go to heaven from prison. They're forgiven, but they're still eating the fruit of the seed they planted. Do you understand this? So you can be forgiven, but that doesn't mean the law of harvest is completely removed. You mitigate that by giving everything to God, but some things you don't want to taste later in your life. There's some bitter tastes in your life. Yes, wherever I'm at, wherever I'm speaking, it doesn't matter where I'm at in the country, I look out at people and I know there's a lot of skeletons in their closet, a lot of memories, a lot of hurts and pains and things that they would like to forget. Yes. Oh, they're spirit-filled. They're born again of the water and the spirit. They love the Lord. But there are some things that they did in their younger years. They've sown some seeds that, that they're dealing with. And they deal with it every day. They're, 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 they're good. They're going to heaven. Mm-hmm. Now, if, you don't, if, if, if you've never learned this yet, then I would submit to you, start tonight and start planting good seeds. Plant things that you want in your life. Plant them. Give to others what you want in return. Words of honor, the way that you are respected is that you respect other people. You'll have no respect if you give no respect. You'll have no honor if you give no honor. No one wants to listen to you if you don't listen to them. No one will love you if you don't love them. You'll never be forgiven if you don't forgive others. Are you getting this thing? You're planting seeds all the time. If you want the Lord to come down, you plant seeds. In fact, I don't want to go through this, but there's a, we can see the sky now. We find certain clouds and in drought times, we can actually, we can actually see the sky to provoke rain to come down. And it, 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 uh, uh, it, it forms small droplets of water. We can do that. There's ways to seed the field, to, to grow something from the ground. It's parched, but we can do that. And you can seed your life with the things that you need. When you're dry, when you're dry, you start to praise God. When you don't feel like God's around, you start to lift your hands and praise the Lord and out of your mouth. And what you're doing is you're provoking the, the heavens to open up. And God will pour out blessings. He, he, if you send something up, he sends something down. That's, that's true no matter what. I planted seeds in my life. I've, I figured out a long time ago to plant seeds. And one of the things that I planted in my, in my mind was the Bible. I planted, I planted the scripture in my mind. When I was 12 years old, I, we started on Bible quizzing and I started to memorize scripture. And I, I didn't even realize what I was doing at 12. I was just memorizing scripture. And it was a, a program called Bible quizzing. We, we memorized the book of the Bible. It, it took nine months or ten months. And then we had tournaments over that. I memorized and memorized and memorized. And even through the day, sometimes the scripture will come out of my mouth. I don't remember the reference, but it's the word of God. I'm withdrawing something that I deposited in my life. And when you plant the right seeds, you'll get the right fruit. Amen. It's a law. It's a law. You can't overthink that. That's a law. You're not going to negotiate. It's a law. Doesn't matter your tenure in church. Doesn't matter if you're a brand new Christian, brand new believer, or if you've been serving the Lord for many, many years. It's a law. You're never going to get past the law. You want to be blessed, be a blessing. It's the law. You want, the, you want the power of God? you gotta, you got to plant some time in prayer on your knees. You want authority of the Spirit? You have to plant some seeds of humility. 
Because to rise, you got to fall. Because to gain, you got to regress. You got to die. For God to become large and in charge and great and magnificent, you, you've got to become small and decrease. It's the law of harvest. All of these laws that I'm teaching tonight, they're, they're never going to go away. These, these laws of harvest, they're never going to go away. Amen. Here's my final here, and I'll, and I'll end. The priority of the law, if I had to put a priority of laws that I've taught you, it's the royal law, number one. The moral law, number two. It's the law of harvest is number three. These are the priorities of, of the law as I, as I teach them. Because if I can get the first one right, I really believe that the second will come into play. And if I can get the first one right, then I know that the third one, but I'm going to work on them individually all my life. Amen. All the people said amen. All right. There's another law out there. It's every time you hit the Amazon button, it charges you. Just so you know. It's not a real law, but it's, it's true. It's true. All right. Please stand with me now. I'm so grateful that you were here. Now, this is what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that the seed that I planted will not be stolen. I'm, I pray it won't be... It, it, I pray that it will be nurtured and cared for. I pray that it will be respected and loved because it's the word of God. I pray that the seed that I planted will grow up in everyone's life to produce a godly and a wholesome experience. Amen. Lord, I pray right now your word is forever settled. I, I thank you for your word, Lord. You said in your word, whatever we would sow, if to the flesh we reap corruption, if to the spirit we, le- re- we reap life everlasting. So I pray tonight, Lord, let the seed that's been spoken here tonight, let it grow up, let it flourish, let it bring forth a bountiful harvest, a blessing in our life and in our families and our homes. Help us to protect the word of the Lord. All the things that are vying for our attention, Lord, I pray, Lord, the cacophony of voices that are against us. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, let the word take precedent. Let your holy word be the priority of our life, I pray. The things that we consider, Lord, that are not of you, Lord, Remove them from our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. All the people said amen. Speak his name. Would you do that? Come on, just lift up your hands right now and thank the Lord for his love. Come on, someone.